Well, again, good morning. It is great to have you here, whether you are joining us online or you in person. Thank you for braving the heat and coming into the gym where it is slightly cooler than outside. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Bickett, and I'm the student ministries pastor here at Northridge, which means I get to hang out with the kiddos throughout the week, sometimes throughout the day on Sunday, and it's fantastic. We have lots of fun today, lots of smiling faces. So there's something you need to know about Northridge, whether you've been here for a super long time or if this is your first time visiting us. Northridge is a safe place. It's a place to come and ask questions. It's a place to grow in your journey. Um, It's a place to try to decide if you believe God and the Bible are real, or if you've been believing for a long time to continue growing deeper in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We invite everyone. We want you to know that this is a place to grow in community and that we encourage you just to develop wherever you are at and you are welcome. We're in our series called Gages, and we're actually wrapping it up today. And before we get into that too much further, there's something that I want to do. We know that this year has brought a lot of changes. We know that there's been a lot of decisions that have been made that we have had no input in, or it has felt like it. And we also know that it has caused a lot of disruption. And what we need to recognize is that the educational system has been in this whirlwind of trying to adjust and adapt and do all of the necessary things in order to make this year as positive and successful as possible. The teachers, the educators, the administration, the support staff, personnel, all of them have done their absolute best this year to adjust, to readjust, to adjust again, readjust again, and just keep rolling and rolling and rolling with positive attitudes and smiles. And that's what we get to see on the forefront. We know that there is probably six times more happening behind the scenes than we ever, ever get to see. So for those of you that are in the educational system, whether it's from birth to adult, in any capacity, whatever, what I would like for you to do is to stay seated, please. You guys deserve a break. Will everybody else please stand up and give a round of applause to those that are in the education system as we're wrapping up our school year. Thank you. We have a lot of people that we know in our lives and in our congregation and our outreach that have just gone above and beyond, and educators in any capacity, thank you. So like I said, we are in this series called Gages, and since we have gone from full transition from spring to summer in 24 hours, um, I feel like we need to take a look at our time. So the gauge we're gonna look at today is going to be our time. What do our calendars look like? Because this summer we have new opportunities. We have a lot of things that are coming to us this year that we did not get to experience last year. So take a moment with me and think back to summer 2019. That's two years ago. I know it kind of feels like a lifetime based on what we've been through, but think back. What was your summer like in 2019? What were your activities that you were doing? What sports were you involved in or your children? What places did you get to travel? Oh, that T word that we haven't had for so long, right? What were those like? 
And if you're like me, I'm guessing it was pretty full. Now take a moment and think back to last summer. Think back to summer of 2020. What was your schedule like then? What did you have that was maybe removed? You couldn't go do? It got canceled? A lot of quiet, it seemed like for a lot of us, right? So we know that the pandemic forced a lot of changes. We've already talked about that. But we also know there were difficulties and there were challenges that we had to adjust to as we went. We lost things that were important to us. We had challenges with emotional health. We had challenges with physical health for a lot of us. There were people that were isolated and lonely and there were a lot of changes and unknowns and things that we couldn't plan for which created a lot of stress, especially for the planners. We also know, however, that some of the forced changes brought some good. If we take a moment and think about it, maybe it opened up some time in our schedules for us to connect with family or neighbors in ways that we hadn't because we were actually home. We got to spend time together, and for some of us with kids, we got to spend an abundant amount of time together. But in some ways, it created new routines and habits that we were able to build upon. Now, the realization was also that work from home could possibly be productive, that we could do church without coming together, even though it's much more fulfilling when we get to see each other once in a while. And we also learned that communities could support and encourage one another. We had two drastically different summers. Summer of 2019 that was probably full or maybe overfull. Summer of 2020 where it seemed like everything just came to a halt and we were more limited with what we could do. In fact, we had to strategically plan our outings to make sure that there would be a bathroom open along the way wherever we were going, which was crucial because you could not pop into any bathroom that you wanted to. And so what I'm thinking is that the summer of 2021, this summer, has a lot of potential. I think it has the opportunity to be a meet-in-the-middle summer. I think there's a lot in store that we could do. The sudden changes made us realize some of the things that were really good in our life that we had and could no longer access. The sudden changes also made us realize some of the things that weren't so great that got stopped possibly and we benefited from it. Or maybe it emphasized some of the things that weren't so healthy that we needed to change and this was forced upon us because we had to slow down and actually look at what was going on in our lives. My fear is that we took the time to notice all of these things last summer, even though we didn't like it, and we recognized, as I said, some of the things that were good, some of the things that were bad, and maybe we did some things to address those. Maybe we made some changes because we had to or because it was easier to make the change but now we're heading back towards normal. We've been longing for a year and a half for normal. And my fear is that maybe we jump right back into everything that 2019 was instead of bringing the changes that we need to into 2021. So my question for us today, since we're looking at the gauge of time, is what does your calendar look like for summer 2021? What's on your schedules? How full is it? How much empty space is there? Where are you going? What are you doing? What does your schedule look like? 
What does your calendar look like? When I glanced back at my Google calendar for last summer, there was a lot of uh, nothing. Like literally nothing. That was Zoom meetings, I take that back. Zoom meetings galore, but otherwise nothing. This summer, we decided that our newly minted driver needs a car because we were going in six different directions and if this newly minted driver could have been driving, it would have saved mom a lot of time. And I'm guessing there's some of you that would be like, hey, can we borrow that newly minted driver because it would save me some time too. So anyway, when we look at our calendars, the question becomes, is it completely full or is there space as we return to closer to normal? If we dig a little deeper, is there room in our schedule and our calendar for Jesus? Or have we packed it full of some other things? There's a story in the Bible that a lot of us might be familiar with that um, involves two ladies, and you're probably pretty familiar with it once we get into it. But anyways, it's two ladies, and they have Jesus coming to their house. And so one woman decides that she needs to do all of the preparations. She's in the kitchen, she's cooking, she's getting everything ready, she's fussing around. And the other one, who's her sister, happens to be sitting. Not helping, but sitting because she's listening to Jesus teach. Now in my head when I read this story and I listen to it, I picture the one who's in the kitchen doing everything as the older sister, the type A. We have to get the details just right. We have to do this and this and make it right, right? And I picture the second woman as the younger sister who's a little more laid back and is just like, hey, this is cool. I'm gonna sit here and learn for a little bit. So the older sister gets really frustrated. I'm gonna call her the older sister by default, sorry. The one in the kitchen, really busy, gets really frustrated with her sister who's sitting at Jesus' feet. And she comes out and she says to Jesus, or probably really strongly suggests to Jesus, Jesus, she's not in here helping me. Tell her to get up off her hiney and come help me get things done. Right? We've all said that before. Get in here. Help me out. You aren't doing anything. And yet, when she says this, Jesus has a response that probably put her back a little bit. We're going to find it in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 41. Jesus says to her, My dear Martha, Martha's the one that's in the kitchen, busy with all the details. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing to be concerned about. Mary, the one who was sitting, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Can you imagine Martha's response when she's like, Jesus, come on, tell Mary to get in here, get with it, and to help me. That's what she should be doing. That's what her job is. And Jesus says, yeah, Martha, no, sorry. She's doing what she should be doing. And I'm guessing that maybe it would throw us for a loop a little bit as well. Because Jesus is saying the details, the fussing, the making sure it's just right, like getting everything perfect, because she has a guest that she wants to honor, because she has a guest that she wants to respect. All of that, it's not the most important thing. It's not needed. He says what Mary is doing, sitting down and listening, is the most important thing. 
that is what should be happening. You see, Mary had discovered the it, and Jesus tells us the it is spending time with him, is learning from him. And so I have to question myself, and maybe some of you do as well, if you're a little type A, or you're the older sister, or older brother, all of the things that you are doing to try to be correct and right and get it just perfect because you want to honor Jesus, is that what he wants from you? Does he want your busy and your stress and your worry to make it just right? And his answer is for all of your striving, no. You don't need to do that to yourself. You need to sit and learn from me. So the question gets asked again, what does our schedule or our calendar look like? One that's maybe filled with things and more things that will get added as we continue throughout the summer. If your calendar is already full, that's okay. Because the good news is we can make room for Jesus. And we're gonna look at three ways really quickly on how to do that. The first thing is really simple. We're gonna start with Jesus. It seems kind of counterintuitive, maybe, maybe not, but we need to start with Jesus. I had a professor who said in our class, and it has stuck with me, this was years ago, that he needs to have FaceTime, two words, with Jesus before he does FaceTime on his computer or his phone with anybody else. And you can actually make that anything. You need to have FaceTime with Jesus before you have Instagram time or Pinterest time or Snapchat time or news time or time getting your kids off to school or time sending them outside because it's nice and you need a breather. Whatever it is, we need to start our day with Jesus. And we actually get this from the Bible, Psalm 5, verse 3. It says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. You'll notice this is a very, very short verse. But two times in there, it says, in the morning, because it's emphasizing when we should do this. Spend time with Jesus first thing in the morning. Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback says that one way to do this is to take your Bible and leave it open on your nightstand beside your bed. Then when you get up, the first thing you do before anything else is you read your Bible. And then you leave it open on your nightstand so that when you come back at night, it's the last thing you read before going to sleep and you leave it open. He says you read just enough until you get to a point where something asks a question in your mind or it brings up something that you need to think about or something that you just want to process a little bit. It could be two verses, it could be two chapters. Wherever you hit that point, you stop. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute, 30 minute, one hour thing. It can literally be two minutes. So when we leave our Bibles open by our bedstand for the first thing we do and the last thing we do, it's an invitation to read it. And it's also a really hard reminder because it's sitting there open for us. A second way that we can make time for Jesus is to break out of ruts. And I know this one doesn't necessarily sound fun, 
But we all have our defaults and our go-tos. We all have things that we do because that's what we're used to. It becomes our normal. It becomes our comfortable. We repeat them. We can't imagine life without them, whatever they may be. Because we've practiced them over and over, it becomes kind of ingrained. It becomes what we do. So what I want you to do is watch a video here in just a second, and you're going to understand why. But some of you actually may have seen it a little while ago. It was a really popular meme that was going around. But this version comes from the person who actually filmed it. So watch the video, then we'll talk about it. You'll understand. Now you see why I wanted you to watch this. So I think sometimes in life we are like this poor little sheep. We get stuck. We're in that rut and someone comes along and helps us out and we're like, freedom! And we take off and then we are right back in that rut again. Now this is kind of funny because it's a sheep. It's not so funny for us, but it's kind of funny because it's a sheep. And it's okay if you didn't understand the words because it's actually Russian. This happened in Russia, in Grozny, Russia. So the boy had tried to help the sheep out and he couldn't get him out, so he went home and got mom. Mom came back and helped and thankfully for all of us, she filmed it. Now after this... She got lots of questions about this poor little sheep. Like, did he get out the second time? Is he okay? Was he hurt? Like, what happened? So she put another video up on her Instagram page, and it has her name on it, so that people could see what happened to this poor little sheep that was so happy to get out and then right back in the rut. So let's watch this second one. You could see it. We were all holding our breath, waiting for him to go right back in. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully he jumped and rounded the corner. You could see at the fence he kind of stopped and looked back. I'm not really sure if that was a like thank you or a what the heck just happened here, but he gave a look and he was on his way. I think we're like the sheep a lot of times. We get stuck in a rut because it's what we do or it's an accident. We get in there the first time, but it happens again and we repeat it. And sometimes if we're not careful, those ruts become familiar. It's what we go back to because it's what we know. And if we do it long enough, it may even start to feel normal for us to hang out in there when really we're just stuck. So to break out of the ruts, we need God's help. And in order to do that, we have to spend time with him. We have to run the opposite way from the ruts that are harmful and hold us back, just like the sheep did. So here's God's good news for those of us that are frequent followers into those ruts. 
Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 22, says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. And we need to say hallelujah at that point. It says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. Each morning they start new. I say to myself, The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait patiently and quietly. I had to patiently, that's for me. Quietly for the salvation from the Lord. What we have to realize is that we get new mercies every morning and that he's patient and kind and faithful and he will be with us even as we struggle. And what we need to recognize also is that when we learn these things from God, they only become transformative if we apply them to our lives personally. The third way that we can make time for Jesus is to put Jesus on repeat. It sounds a little strange, but we're going to put Jesus on repeat. We have routines that we do for a lot of things. Do we have a routine for Jesus in our life to get connected with him? We know that we learn through experience. We know that we learn through repetition. And so we need to ask, do we have this for Jesus? When I'm in kids' church and I'm trying to make the point of practice is really important, you can ask some of your kids this, I may say to them, let me ask you this, guys. The first time, the very first time you ever tried to tie your shoes, did you do it perfectly the first time? And I kid you not, almost every single hand will go up. Yes, I did. I don't know who taught you guys, but that was not my teacher. Now, it could be that they don't want to admit that they couldn't tie their shoes the first time because we've all been there, right? We don't want to admit we can't do something. Or it could be that they've done it enough times that they can tie their shoes now and they have forgotten how hard it actually was that first time they tried to tie their shoes. This is because of something called brain plasticity. Dr. Brene, or uh, researcher and author Brene Brown interviewed Dr. David Engelman, who's a neuroscientist. He is also a New York Times bestseller, he's a TED speaker, and he's a Guggenheim fellow. And he's done a lot of work over decades on the brain and researching its ability to change and adapt. That's the brain plasticity part of it. The ability of the brain to change and adapt as it goes through experiences, as it goes through experiences, End of sentence. Brene asked Dr. Engelman, so does the brain use more energy when learning something new and challenging, such as tennis, if you don't know how to play tennis? And his answer was really surprising. This is what he had to say to her. He said, yeah, this is one of those things that's surprising. Let's say that you're watching an amateur at something versus a pro. And now let's say it's something really complicated, like soccer or Tetris or whatever it is. The pro is out there, they're killing it, they're just doing a fantastic job. And so the assumption is, wow, their brain must be using more energy than the amateur. But it's exactly the opposite. The pro that's out there killing it and doing such a good job is actually using almost no energy. The reason is, they have burned this skill into the hardwire and the circuitry of their brain. They've turned the thing that they're trying to accomplish 
into a hardwire so that it can do it rapidly and efficiently. When you tie your shoes now, you can do it quickly. You realize how quickly when you're trying to help a two or a three-year-old do their shoes. It has become hardwired in our brains. Dr. Eagleman continues, and so this has been one of the big surprises. The way that you do something, something that has relevance to you, and something that you practice a lot, becomes super energy efficient for you. I think a lot of times what happens is we're in our ruts and we think it's going to take so much energy to change and get out of this rut that I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to even address it. But if we made it a goal to spend time consistently with Jesus, eventually it's going to become hardwired into our brains. It's going to become a natural response instead of something that takes time and energy. I know that we can learn how to do this because God tells us this in the book of Psalm, chapter 32, verse 8. He says, I will instruct you. This is not on us. We just need to sit and learn. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will advise you with my eye upon you. When we turn our focus to Jesus throughout the day, over and over and over, we move from being something that requires energy and thought and concentration to being something that is almost subconscious. We just do it. It becomes natural, and it doesn't take the energy and effort that it once did. When times are good, we can say thank you. When times are challenging, we automatically think of prayer instead of making it our last response. When we connect throughout the day, we ask for discernment. We ask for guidance, we ask for direction, we ask for help. And God is faithful and always there, so it's provided. Here's my concern. When I look at my schedule and my time, do I have room for God in there? Do I have room to focus on what he's trying to teach me and how to connect with him? Do I have any flexibility in margin or am I so hard scheduled that I have to do, 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 or worry, 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 stress, stress, stress? Am I willing to make time at the beginning of my day if it's not there? Because we can make time if we need to. And these can be things as simple as reading the Bible, it can be time spending in prayer, it can be time learning, but I also need to caution we have to be very careful that we don't substitute time with Jesus personally for time with other people who are connecting with God. And here's what I mean. I love podcasts. My kids will tell you from the time I get up until throughout my day, not usually at night, but I have a podcast of some kind going. They have to ask, can we play the TV, Mom? And I have to decide, will I pause my podcast or not? Okay, I suppose. So I listen to podcasts. I also read books that are written by people who are doing things that I want to learn about, or maybe it's a pastor that has something out that I'm going to just research a little bit on. And there's also Pastor Brent's messages that we listen to, and there's other pastors that I listen to, other churches, since we can access everything online. So I do a lot of input from other people. And they have a lot of wisdom and a lot of guidance and instruction but if all I'm ever doing is listening to other people, I'm getting input secondhand. I need to go straight to the source for what I need personally. 
I need to go to Jesus directly because that's the only way my personal relationship with him is going to grow and get deeper. It's just like developing a friendship. If you're always communicating to a friend through another friend, you're not gonna develop that friendship directly. Time with God has to be personal for us to grow. When we put Jesus on repeat in our lives, everything can be done for his purpose. And we know this from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Now this is going to come from the Amplified Version, so it looks a little bit different. It says, whatever you do, catch that, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what the Amplified Translation does is it takes the verse and it just emphasizes and says again a part that they think, pay attention to this, this is really important. So you notice whatever you do, meaning everything, no matter what. And then it tells us, make sure that everything is in the name of Jesus and that we're dependent on him throughout all of it. It matters. When we do this, we can make a shift from being worried all the time like Martha was to stressing and getting the details just right and making sure everything is just so, so that the image we present is perfect or as close to perfect as possible, so that the things we do in our house are just right. Whatever it is that is worrying and stressful, those things only hold meaning in the moment. Only in this moment. It feels like it takes up a lot of our life, but the worry and the stress is in this moment. When we turn to Jesus and we sit and take time and learn from him and grow in his ways, those moments become eternal in our life. Those moments are what change our life for the better. It has eternal ramifications that means it's not only for right now, it's for our future. When we focus on Jesus, we shift from the in the moment to the eternal moment, and that is a good thing. I believe that it is possible for us to make space in our calendars. I believe even if our calendars and our schedules are full, we still can choose to make space for Jesus. We can start small, start with Jesus, try to break out of our ruts, and then we need to put Jesus on repeat in our life. Let me end with a confirmation that this actually is possible because it comes from God's word of truth. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. That's one that would be worth memorizing. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Will you pray with me, please? Jesus, as we come before you, we just thank you that you are good and that you love us, that you have what is best for us. We thank you that you want to spend time with us. We thank you that you help us to create time to spend with you. I pray as we go throughout our days that our connections with you would become more intimate and more personal. They would become more consistent because having you in our lives is a good thing. 
We know how much you love us. We just pray that as we go throughout this summer of 21, 2021 and the increased activities that are happening, we say thank you for that. We say thank you for the return to almost normal, but also help us not to bring back in those things that we have learned aren't necessary or are harmful. Help us to set them aside. Help us to lean into the things that you want us to grow into as we develop and grow closer to you. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for our time together. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.